Unshakable is um, the title for the series that we're in. It's the second Sunday we're talking about that. And you know, when we first talked about this series, um, Dave and Andy and I, and Unshakable, man, that's really, right now, things don't seem unshakable, do they? Actually, they rather seem very, very shakable and shaky, don't they? But you know what? That's exactly why, why we want to talk about that. Because in the midst of, of all the stuff that's going on and that can be shaken, there's someone that can't. And that's, that's who we want to talk about. Um, so last week, we talked about unshakable identity and how what's important is how God views you, what God sees when he looks at you. That's who you really are. And that can't be shaken, no matter what, what goes down in your personal finances and your job and your, you know, the things that you might, might identify yourself with. That's not how God sees you. God sees and values you just as you are. That cannot be shaken. And today we'll talk about networking. That's, that's the word today, right? We're all networking. I really want to, I, I rather want to call it community. Um, and even communities break down, don't they? friendships fall apart, sometimes families even fall apart. So how can community be unshakable? That's what we're going to talk about this morning. One thing that was very apparent to me thinking about this is that community seems incredibly important to everyone. I mean, you might not be as relational as I am wired, for example, but I would venture to say no matter how you're wired relationally, everybody has a deep, deep need for connecting, for community with other people. And um, we do the craziest things to accomplish that. Uh, you, know, I, you hear these stories of fraternities and the hazing and stuff that goes on, the initi- you know, initiation, the stuff that you have to put yourself through to, to become a part. I mean, it's crazy what people will be willing to do simply to connect <laughs> with other people they don't even like and to be accepted in a community. You know, when, when I was um, in ninth grade, my grades went like serious nosedive. And uh, in Germany, we have, um, after elementary school, f- after fourth grade, we have three levels of high school. And they are, you, you get placed according to your academic performance in the first four grades. It's a horrible system. But so, you know, there's the, the highest high school, with 13 grades and you can go to college and there's the middle one, you graduate after 10 and then the lowest one after nine and really you can't do much after that. (laughs) Um, So I got placed in the highest, which is a mystery to me to this day. And that quickly came unraveled (laughs) in ninth grade. Um, We had to pick a second foreign language and the choice was French, you know, a neighboring country um, and Latin. dead language, no spoken nowhere except in the Catholic Church, and I chose Latin. <laughs> I know, and I don't get it. Somehow I wasn't in tune with God knowing that he would lead me to marry a French woman later on. <laughs> no, it, it would, that would have come in handy at times. Um, so I thought, I don't know what was going on in my mind, but then I couldn't talk to my in-laws and sister-in-law, so maybe God knew what he was doing. So I did learn, la- anyway, Latin broke my back in ninth grade. It was just awful. And so I didn't qualify to stay in that highest high school anymore. But the cutoff date to maybe s- sneak into the middle school or the, the middle high school was over. So the only choice I had was go to the lowest. And so my mom went to work. You know what moms do when they're on a mission? She pleaded and groveled and cried quite a bit. And so they let me sneak in to that middle high school. And so the first day, I, I, my parents took me there. We uh, went to the principal's office and he laid down the law. He had other kids come from the higher high school before and they thought they were hot stuff and didn't need to work and just kind of breeze through things and got in trouble. So he said, you better shape up. I don't want you in any trouble. You're great. You know, he just laid down the law. It was, it was rather awful. And um, so then they introduced me to my new class. So I go in there, you know, meet the guys. And of course you want to be cool. You want to be accepted. And First recess, like two periods later, these three, four guys come up to me and say, hey, Christian, do you smoke? We're sneaking out during recess and having a smoke. Do you want to come? I'm like, yeah, I'm with you. You're my new best friends now. So 
I snuck out with them. We went off campus. There was this old abandoned warehouse, and we snuck in there and lit it up, and it was great. I had, I had friends. And on the way back, I met a new teacher who caught us and took us to the principal's office. And this was literally like two hours after my parents and I sat in there. And man, it was awful. I mean, he came down hard and I had, you know, I had an excuse. This is my first day here and I didn't know, you know. And anyway, so I, I anyway, stupid things we do. And my only, I didn't need to smoke. It wasn't that bad. But I really needed these relationships. I really needed these guys to like me and think I'm cool. So I did it. Got in serious trouble at home. There's all kinds of things that we will do, all kinds of extents that we will go to, to connect. And you know what? Some people will even go so far and get so desperate that they go to church <laughs> for connecting. That was a joke. <laughs> wow, the first service got that one. But anyway, now, I would... I would venture out to say that there's people here, maybe you've been here for a long time already, several years, but maybe initially you came because you needed a place to connect. Maybe you're here today for the very first time because you're in need of connecting with somebody. And church seemed like a good idea. And you know what? I hope and I pray that this is the right place, that you can connect here. A few months ago, probably six weeks ago, I was preparing a message um, for Sunday morning, and I like to go to coffee shops. You can't work in the offices here. It's just impossible. There's not a quiet moment, so usually go to Coffee Connection or Beans and Brews, and I've got all these awards cards everywhere. <laughs> anyway, so I, I just, and I have to switch it around, so I was at Starbucks on 9th and 9th and working away, and I overhear this conversation, and the whole time I'm, 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 I'm hearing this, and I'm hearing what they're talking about, and the whole time I'm thinking, this isn't right. Something's not right, until I realized they were speaking German. It's like, what, what are they doing here? So I whip around. There's this lady and her daughter, and they're speaking German, and they were there to pick up an older daughter that was at some research program at the U. And so we got talking. And inevitably, they asked me, so what brought you here? And for Germans to hear from another German that he moved from Germany to Salt Lake City to be a pastor is seriously whacked. Like, like they, listen, they looked at me like, what? What? Why would you do that? That was their question. Why would you do that? So it's totally outside of the regular German's sphere of understanding and experience. And so I explained them and told them about K2. And then they asked me, so what, how would you describe K2? What makes this church so special that you would walk, you know, move halfway around the world to get there? And I thought, I said, you know what? I think it's the authentic community I'm experiencing there. And I thought back about even the, the first time that my wife, our family, and I came here in December of '07 to meet the staff and to interview. And, and the one thing that we walked away with that was so overwhelming was the authentic community among the, man, the, the management team and the staff. We were just blown away by, by how much they seemed to like each other. It was just unreal. And, and uh, so I told them about that. That, that I think, is really what... What's most special to me about K2 is, is the authentic community that we have. And the daughter looked at me and said, and, these, and they told me, and as part of this conversation, they weren't really interested in religion and didn't think that was really important. But she looked at me and said, you know what? I think that is every human's deepest need is to experience real community. And I looked at her and I said, yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. It was just interesting to me that somebody that admittedly doesn't read the Bible, doesn't think, you know, God, Jesus is important, knew that that was true. And unknowingly, she spoke deep biblical truth because we all do need that connection, don't we? Don't we all have that deep-seated need? And that's why we have Facebook and Twitter and MySpace because we're also incredibly connected there, right? Okay. I would like all my Facebook friends to stand, please. My Facebook friends, come on. Where are they? None here. They were on the first day. One, yes. Yes, come on. Admit it. <laughs> I have friends, and they live on Facebook. Yes. Now, what? Anybody? Yeah, okay. Now, let's see. Facebook. You know what Facebook is? 
It's an online network where you can start an account and then you can um, update your status. You can find friends. The problem is others can find you too. And then they send you a friend request. You want to be my friend? And then you get to accept or ignore. Yeah? But when you do that, they will know if you ignore. But I just found out you can delete friends without them knowing about it. So that's, that's great. So what I can do is... Now, Facebook can be addicted, addicting. I'm not addicted, but I have it on my iPhone. So <laughs> I can go and update my status. Christian is preaching at K2. Oh, no, not K3, K2. And people are falling asleep. Post. Now... Jill is a friend of mine on Facebook, so once I've sent this, she can refresh and she knows minute by minute what I'm doing. Is that community or what? So it'll, it'll get there. So I have a bad connection here. So that's what Facebook is. You get to update your status and you get to keep in touch with people. I just got a request yesterday from, I have no idea who it was until I did a little bit of research and she was in Bible school with me in England in 93 and now she wants to be my friend again. And we connect and, and then we Twitter and we update our status and we're just so connected. Ah, it should be there now. So here's the, here's the thing. I found some research online about Facebook users. Yeah, is that, yeah, preaching to people are falling asleep. Is it spelled right? Yes. All right. Let's take that back off. Um, so, so we're so connected. I have about 500 friends on Facebook, and the people that just stood up can tell you 99.99% I never talked to, at least on Facebook. I mean, we see each other once. But you have all these friends, and yet you're lonely. And I just found some research online, scientific research done on long-time Facebook users and people that use it significantly, like me. And you know what, what the result was? It should lead to more connectedness and community and focusing on other people. But the result is overwhelmingly that people that use it significantly turn more and more selfish and introspective and it shows in their everyday relationships. It actually showed for, for children that are still developing, and, and uh, like his age, that it actually changes their brain waves and the way their brain works. It's incredibly powerful. So why do we do this? And this morning I, I, I looked at some of my people, you know, Chad Brownsrither said, he's getting ready for church. I'm still amazed that I actually get excited about it. Go Jesus. My friend Krista wrote, every rose has a thorn, every night has a dawn, every cowboy sings a sad, sad song. And Randy Neiman, who's working over in the white buildings at five in the morning, he said, it's time to make donuts. And my friend Joyce is going to see Michael W. Smith concert. Please, someone help her. And so you, you, you keep in touch with all these people. But you see, the, the thing is, you write about yourself all the time. You actually talk about yourself in the third person. Well, Christian is preaching at K2. I mean, who, how weird is that? But we do it. You know why? Because we want to connect. And we want to connect in a safe way. Well, a Facebook person can't hurt me. Well, they can't ignore my friend, friend request. But it's, it's safe because it's at a distance. And I think a lot of these technologies that seemingly are invented and are used so that we can connect are really a hiding from real relationships. My wife and I saw a movie last week. It was her birthday last week, Monday, and uh, she's still very young. And um, I took her out to a movie and I looked what was out and the best thing I could find was he's just not that into you. <laughs> I wasn't trying to send a message to her, but... Um, it seemed funny and slightly romantic, and so we watched it, and Drew Barrymore is in it, and she may... Anybody seen it? He's just not that into you? Well, that's way too many people. Well, anyway, um, she said this, talking about relationships in this day and age. She says, I had this guy leave me a voicemail at work, so I called him at home, and he emailed me to my BlackBerry, and so I texted to his cell, and now I have to go around checking all these different portals just to get rejected by seven different technologies. It's exhausting. Uh, anybody identify with that? We got Facebook and texting and where did face-to-face -face contact go? 
Where did connecting go? Where did relationships go? Again, we do all that because we have this deep, deep-seated need, like this German girl said so pointedly at Starbucks. And we see that in Scripture from the very beginning. We go to Genesis 1 and look at the creation account. And God creates each day. You know what it says after each day when he created certain things each day? It says he looked and he said, and it was good. Every day it was good until he created Adam. And he looked at Adam, the prototype of a man, and he said, it is not good. And all the women go, amen. (laughs) It is not good. What wasn't good? It is not good for man to be alone. It is not good. And the interesting thing about this to me is, at this point, Adam had perfect unity and community with God. He could talk to God like I can talk to you. They were totally in sync. And still God said, it is not good for Adam to be alone. It blows me away that after God created Adam as the prototype and he had perfect community with him, God said, it's not good enough for him to have community with me. That's basically what he's saying. There is a need in Adam that I'm not planning on meeting that's going to be met through another person. It was not good for Adam to be alone. And so God created Eve. And you know, before that, God asked Adam, and said, Adam, I'm, I'm ready to make a person for you, just a perfect mate. She's going to meet all your needs, physically, emotionally. You know, what do you think? And Adam goes, well, what's it going to cost me? And God says, well, an arm and a leg. And Adam goes, well, what can I get for a rib? You know, no, no. I like that, I like that. Yeah, thank you. So, so God created Eve. And the, the way that we have that translated, what God created Eve for, what is that translated? He, God gave Adam a, a helper. Hey, women, any amens here? How do you feel about that? How do you feel about that? A helper. You know, that translation isn't a great translation. It really is not. Now, because we guys, we read that and we say, helper. Well, that means a chips and beer bringer (laughs) and dishwasher and, you know, helper, right? Helper. Well, you know what? That word, helper, that Hebrew word translated helper, you know what that word really means? In other instances, that word is translated deliverer or savior. Now women, yeah, did I get some amens? See, that is, now this isn't talking about spiritual salvation, but what this is talking about is that God created man with the need of community. Community and intimate relationships fulfill part of our purpose that God had in creating us, and that couldn't be fulfilled until Adam had Eve. Now that doesn't mean everybody needs to get married, saw some worried looks here with, from young men. But, but what that means is that all of us have that need for intimate relationships, to be known and to know others. And really, I think that's what it comes down to in our need. Our need is to be known, isn't it? That's why we put ourselves out there on Facebook and Twitter, because we want to be known. It's God's creational intent in us. So we see it in creation and then we see it all through Scripture. We see it in the New Testament, in, even in Jesus creating a, a, a close group of people that he had, had fellowship with. He had the 12 and then out of the 12 he chose another three disciples that he was even closer with. He knew he needed that intimate relationship. In, in his last few hours on this earth with his disciples before his arrest, the one thing he wanted to communicate to them was be united, be tight with each other because by you being tight and living that out, the world will know that I was sent by God. And in his last prayer for them, he prays, God, may they be one just as you and I are one. It was God, Jesus' desire, desire for his disciples and, and that prayer counts for us today that we would be tight as followers of him. 
And then all through the letters in the New Testament that Paul wrote mostly, in almost every letter, there is an encouragement to those specific churches to be close, to be tight, to be united, to meet each other's needs. It's all through Scripture. And it just shows, and it, it, it just shows it is true in all of our lives. We need that community. We need that tightness with one another. So we, we want that tightness here at K2. Anybody, anybody wants that here? No? I'm alone? Gee, okay, we can stop then. Okay. If we want that unshakable community and network, there's a few things that, that need to happen. And one thing is, if we want an unshakable community here, we need to realize that our resources are not our own only. We need to realize that our resources, that my resources are not for me alone, and that your resources are not for you alone. And resources, I can see people, where's my wallet? I'm not just talking about financial or material resources. Resources are much more broad than that. And I want to share a Bible verse with you that talks about this. It's in Romans 12. Actually, it's four verses. Romans 12, 5 through 8. It'll be up on the screen. Let's read it together. We are all parts of His, Jesus' one body. And each of us has different work to do. And since we are all one body in Christ... We belong to each other. Is that something? We, we belong to each other. And each of us needs all the others. God has given each of us the ability to do certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out when you have faith that God is speaking through you. If your gift is that of serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, do a good job teaching. If your gift is to encourage others, do it. If you have money, share it generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. So what resource has God or resources has God entrusted you with? And prophecy here doesn't necessarily talk about predicting the future. It talks about speaking truth into someone's life. Giving generously doesn't necessarily only apply to money and material things. It can apply to, to time. If you are gifted in serving, serve. If God's given you certain talents and passions, put it out there. What resources has God given you? I love that verse here. It says we belong to each other. That, that means us and what God has entrusted to us belongs to each other as a body of believer. And you know, not everybody has a ton of resources. And you might sit here thinking, well, I'm not a great singer. I really don't do anything terribly well. I don't have great income. What could I offer? What do I have to give that could be of significance to meet other people's needs? What, what do I have to give? And there's a great story in the Gospel of John about a young boy who had very, very little And if I know one thing about young boys, and I have two of them, they're 10 and 8, one thing I know about young boys is the first word they learn isn't mommy, daddy. It is my, exactly. My, mommy, mommy, my, he took my, and that's mine. And I mean, my boys love to eat. I don't know where they get it from. We get to the table, it's it's like they think there's not going to be enough, and they got to be first, and it's my, 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 my. But here we meet a young boy who had things that others needed. It's the context of Jesus speaking to a large crowd of people, probably for quite a long time. And again, I know my boys, they can't sit here for 35 minutes listening to me, but this boy's been listening to Jesus all day. And there were 5,000 men plus women and children, and it was getting late. People were getting hungry, and there was no concession stands. (laughs) Weird. But... uh, the disciples come to Jesus and say, Jesus, these people are hungry. What are we going to do? And he said, well, Peter, teachable moment. Peter, you feed them. Peter goes, are you kidding me? What am I There's a lot of people here. No food. Well, you, you go feed them. And so they go looking around, and there's a boy, and he's got a little lunch bag, and he's got a couple of fish and some bread that 
either he prepared or his mommy prepared for him. He was prepared. So I imagine Peter approaching him or one of the disciples and say, hey, we need some food. And, and looks at the crowd and a couple of fish and some bread. Uh, what's that going to do? And the little boy could have made all kinds of excuses like, hey, I prepared. I thought ahead. Hey, this isn't my responsibility. I mean, they just weren't thinking. You know, I got this. I'm good, man. He could have said that. He you know, could have said, well, this isn't going to help, man. This isn't even the drop in the bucket of what's needed here. And we don't know exactly what took place, but we do know. He said, oh, okay. He could have said, uh-uh, my bread, my fish, my food, me hungry. But apparently he said, okay, my fish, my bread, my chance to make something happen, to be part of something, my opportunity. And he made it available. And the story tells us that Jesus broke the bread, divided it up into baskets and the, and the fish. He handed it to the disciples and they went out and fed everybody and had 12 baskets left over. See, the question isn't what do you have to offer? The question isn't quantity. The question is, who are we making it available to? Because the person we're making it available to can do whatever he wants, and he can multiply and meet needs that you didn't even know were there. So don't think, I don't have anything. Think, okay, God, what is it that you have blessed me with that I can make available? What is it that I can give where, where am I saying, my, 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 but I really should be saying, my chance, my opportunity to allow God to do what only He can do. I had a, have a good friend here at K2. Um, he, uh, he blessed me this week. He met a need that he knew was there and it just blew me away. And we were sitting down and I said, man, you are crazy. He said, no, you know, I'm not crazy. I used to hold on so tight to my stuff and I was constantly worried about money and how much I could give to God and how much I could keep back. And, and, and this is what he said. He said, I've, you know, I've always heard these sermons about tithing and giving 10%. And yeah, scripture talks about, you know, God blesses us and he, he wants us to give back to him. And he talks about tithing and 10%. But... He said, and that was always my, my approach, that, okay, this is what I get to keep and this is what I got to give back. And he said, a while back I realized that what I have is not 90% me, 10% him. It is 100% him. Whatever I have, I have because of him and his goodness and grace to me. And I want to hold it right here and allow him to determine what he takes and where he gives and distributes. And he said, I just knew I was supposed to do this and give this to you. And see, that's God's economy. He says, and that's what I want to encourage all of us to do. And say, okay, God, what, this is what you've blessed me with. Whatever the, it might be a big pile, it might be a modest pile, whatever it is, are we willing to say, God, this is yours. It's not mine this is my chance to make it available to you again. And, you know, as a church, I think we have that responsibility. Times aren't good. And I know that times are not good for many of you. It's tough. And we feel a responsibility as a church to prepare for what might still be ahead. One thing we're doing is we, put to, we are putting together a food pantry. We will have a significant food pantry on site so that instead of, you know, giving people a mcdonald's certificate we can say you know what sit down we're going to cook you something up right here and now we have things available for you and we get these trust me every day we get people walking in through our doors in great need but one thing we're really convicted about is yes we need to meet the needs that are out there but our first responsibility is to those within this body galatians six ten says this, so let's not allow ourselves to get fatigued doing good. At the right time, we will harvest a good crop if we don't give up or quit. Right now, therefore, every time we get the chance, the opportunity, let us work for the benefit of all, starting with the people closest to us 
in our community of faith. And so we have a great project that I'm really excited about that's almost ready to launch. Um, and I'm going to let Eric Townsend um, come up real quick and tell us about that. He's, he has volunteered um, to lead this, spending significant amount of time in this. And I'm going to let him present this to you quickly. Um, Eric, give Eric a hand, would you? <clears throat> Usually I don't allow better looking people up on stage with me, but I made an exception today. <laughs> All right, Eric, why don't you just tell us quickly about the, the project you're working on. What is it called? What's it going to look like? Well, it is harvest time. Um, you know, just, uh, just thinking about that verse. And uh, we're working on, an, on a ministry called K2X. And uh, it was just such a great name, and it was, it was proposed by someone out there actually today, and, and uh, it, it really just embodies, you know, what we're, what we're really looking to do. And it's, it is this, it's an in-reach program. And, and beyond anything else, what it really is doing is, is facilitating who we are as a, as a body of, of Christ and as a believing community to come together and, and help each other to service the needs that are out there. I mean, we are, we are in an absolutely unprecedented economic time right now. And if you look to your right or you look to your left, there's a better than not chance that that person sitting next to you is, is in need right now. And what this ministry is all about is, is identifying the needs, you know, in our group sitting around you right now and matching them with what we can do as a body. You know, Christian's talking about right now that, you know, needs and, or excuse me, uh, you know, the resources that you have you know, these are, these may be monetary, but, but they may not be, you know, these may be, this may be time that you have or a special skill set that you know you have that you can create value for someone. Maybe you have a car sitting in your garage that, you know, you don't really need right now. Maybe you've got an extra room in your house that you could give up for a month or two months or three months. And this program and this ministry is, is all about helping you Help the people sit ne sitting next to you. So tell us about the, the two components that people will be able to get involved in once this is off the ground. Uh, well, next Sunday, uh, we're actually going to be rolling this out officially. Um, and we'll have people uh, out in the lobby in, in both buildings that, that, can, uh, that you can talk to. But the two components are, one, is helping us as a church find out who is in need. And doing that in a way that it is... It's very approachable, very confidential, uh, basically giving you a channel where you can come to the church with a need. And then the other part is matching your need to the resources that the body has. And so there's going to be a resource collection effort where we will actually take stock of everything that we have as a body, and then we can match that with the needs that come in. Awesome. Isn't that a great idea? Rather simple, but, you know, can't believe you thought, didn't think of it earlier. Thank you. Eric. Thank you so much. But you know what? For some of us, giving might be the easy part because we love gifts, we love sharing, and it just, and it blesses you, you know? For some of us, the issue might be receiving because we are raised in a culture that does not value receiving. It values independence, work hard to provide and do it on your own and don't need any help. Well, that's not how God wants us to operate. Yes, we, we've got to be responsible and good stewards of our resources, but we need to be willing to receive. And that might be your challenge. It might be your challenge to be humble enough to, to, to admit need and to accept help. And I just want to encourage you to allow the Lord to give you that humility to experience this body of, of believers coming around you. So if we want to have an unshakable community here, we have got to hold our resources in open hands and recognize that what we have is not our own, but that it's God's who gave it and that, that we need to make it available to Him. And if we want this to be an unshakable community, we also need to realize and understand the truth that we are not alone. You, you might have come here for a while. You might consider this your church and yet be and feel lonely. That is unacceptable. That is unacceptable. And I want you to know you 
You are not alone. You should not be alone. Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says, you are the body of Christ. If you follow Jesus, if you love him, you have become his daughter or his son. That means you are my brother and my sister and you are not alone. You are part of this body. The question is not, are you part of that body? The question is, are you living that? Are you putting yourself out there? Are you giving us a chance to really welcome you in? And the church often is, in the New Testament, described as the body, the body of Christ. By people coming to meet us corporately, they should have an encounter with Jesus. That's who we should be. And I love that analogy of, of a body because our body is so beautifully made that it, it is a unit within itself. And if it functions properly the way God intended, it, it protects itself against intruders, against viruses, and it fights and it shuts certain parts down to protect other parts. And it's, it's amazing. This week, we, we bought a couple of new sharp knives and it just showed me how dull our old knives were. And I cut myself, I have a boo-boo, see here? I cut myself. Can the camera zoom in? No. <laughs> um, so I was cut, and I cut myself immediately. My body went into reaction, right? So my eyes looked on my thumb with compassion. My lips started to, to suck up the blood, and, and my, my mind went, oh, Christian, you're hurt. You're hurt. My wife wasn't really interested. My, my other hand nursed the thumb, and when the bleeding didn't stop, I t you know, this hand took a little napkin, and it It took care of itself. My whole body went, whoa, thumb, need. That's a no, terrible <laughs> illustration. That's how a body is supposed to work. You know, Scripture says one part is hurt, the whole part suffers. The whole body suffers. One, one part of the body rejoices, the whole body rejoices. You know what? I don't feel I can do that with many of you because I don't know you. How can we live that out if we don't know what's going on, if we don't know each other, right? Church is also often described as a family. We're a family of believers, but I think often we've experienced church as almost like a business, run like another business, pastor, CEO, staff, managing partners. Um, then, the, you know, evangelism is marketing and sales. We're trying to get this, you know, get other people to buy in. And, and then you guys are the, the, the um, clientele and then other churches are the competition, you know. I mean, that's how churches are often run and that's how we have often experienced what is supposed to be a family. But, you know, what makes, what makes family family? If I think about my mom, my brother, sister, it's the DNA we have in common. It's the, the bloodline that we have in common that, that connects us. In German, we have a, a saying, and I don't know if, if it translates well, if you say this here, is blood runs thicker than water. And really what you say with that is, is family is so much more important than anything else. It trumps everything else. But oftentimes we don't experience that. And you know, and the question is, then, what do we have in common as a family of believers? You know what it is? And I won't go, we're, we're a little late here. In First Peter chapter 1, it talks about how it's the blood of Jesus that connects us. That's our bloodline. That's our DNA is Jesus. It's what connects us in this community. And you know what? That is what makes us unshakable. It's not you making your resources available. It's not making you, you making your time available. It's not whatever you have, put it out there. That's not going to make us unshakable. What makes us unshakable is that Jesus, the one that's the same yesterday, today, and forever, is the one that holds us all together. And it's our individual relationship with him lived out with each other that makes us unshakable. So what some of us have experienced in church is almost like a dysfunctional family where there's selfishness, individ individualism, there's no connectedness. We don't know each other. But the early church, I tell you, lived this out very differently. Now, I know this was a different culture, but they, for them to be part of the body was not, okay, we meet on Sunday morning. Okay, it was nice. Thanks. Good message. Let's go home or not so good message, whatever. Um, and go. It meant life together. 
It meant being in each other's lives. Ephesians 4.16 describes this great. The whole body is fitted together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. See, only if each one of us does his part wherever God has him, gives by, you know, by whether that is sharing or, or using your gift or serving, by you being involved in this body, it helps all of us grow and experience and to be full of love. We need you. The church needs you as much as it needs me being up here this morning. Are we doing our part? Are we living that kind of community where we value each other like that? Dr. Belzikian, he's a co-founder of Willow Creek Community Church in, in Chicago, a huge mega church, and I've had the privilege of getting to know him, and he's become a friend. I used to translate for him when he came to Germany. He's written several books on community, and he, he said this, he said, the passion for community is contagious. Our innate need for community is so intense that once a spark of interest is ignited and a glimpse of God's dream for community is captured, a burning passion for community can spread like wildfire. And I tell you, if we individually start experiencing this community with each other, it will be so contagious that it will spread through this church and beyond. Because, like this German girl said, it's everybody's deepest need. And if they see that's being met at K2, the church in Salt Lake City, people will come to have that need met and find it in their relationship with Jesus and, and then with each other. Church isn't just an event that we attend, attend once a week. It's meant to be a family and and again, a healthy family knows each other. I know there's a lot of dysfunctional families out there, but as families, we should know each other. We should know, man, dad really wants that promotion and it's important to him. And man, you ask about how did it go? And man, sister's having a hard time in a relationship again and she's getting hurt. Man, and you're hurting with her and you just want to help her. And I, my brother didn't make the basketball team again. And crud, man, I just want to encourage him. And Mom's trying to lose weight and it's just not happening. And, you know, I'm not thinking about anybody specific. Mom, I know you watch this on YouTube. I'm not talking about you. But, um, you know, but we know each other. And if we know each other, we love each other, we care about what each other cares about. And so this is my question for you, K2. Do you know each other? Look to your left and to your right. And this isn't a guilt tour. Just, do we know each other? Do you know the person sitting on your left and on your right? behind you and in front of you? And here's, here's the real question. Do you care? Have, did you come here this morning looking to connect with somebody, knowing someone better, knowing their need? And I want to do something really awkward right now. Two minutes. Super awkward. Would you turn to the next closest person around you that you don't know and just share something about yourself? You know, not your deepest sin, <laughs> but, uh, but maybe something about your children, where you've moved from, something about yourself that they don't know. Just, just take a first step. Would you do that quickly? Two minutes? I know it's awkward. Let's do it anyways. All right, sorry. That's going to have to be enough. I know it was a short two minutes, but we're like way behind. But here's the thing. Continue this after we're done here. You have nothing to go to, right? Continue this after we're done here. Thank you, man. See, this is good. It's awkward, but once you start, you can't stop. <laughs> stop! We're talking about community. Stop it now. <laughs> All right. Wasn't that bad, was it? Wasn't that bad? See, a family, a functional family knows each other, right? A functional family cares for each other. A functional family would do almost anything for each other. And I can tell you right now, if my brother Daniel were to call me this afternoon, said, Christian, I need you here. I guarantee you I'm on a plane tomorrow and I'm not going to care what it costs. 
I'm just not going to care. If my mother calls today, says, Christian, I need you here. I'm on the first plane out tomorrow, and I'm not going to care what that's going to cost, even if I have to unsubscribe from ESPN. <laughs> here, two weeks ago, my wife's mother, stepmother called. Her dad's in really bad shape. The next day, she was on a plane to Paris, and it didn't really matter what it cost. She needed to be there. So, do we care about each other that much? Do we? We are brothers and sisters. I know this is something like, a, you know, brother Bill. You know, it sounds kind of weird, but man, Bill's my brother because he's a son of God, and so am I. Am I going to care enough for Bill that if there's a need that I can meet, that I don't care what it takes? Do we care like that for each other? What if that would happen? What if we were to take these initiatives with each other? What if we were to put ourselves out there, not just on Facebook, but real life, make ourselves vulnerable to each other and start to, to get to know somebody? And there's always a danger involved that there's something that you're going to find out that's going to make you uncomfortable, but something that you might be able to do something about. What if that took place at K2? Again, just want to make sure we understand it's not about what we do. It's about Jesus being lived out in these relationships. And then this can happen because then we can see each other the way Jesus sees us. And then we are going to have that love and concern for one another. And I know not everybody can know everyone here, but we can start. We can make a start. So what does it look like? What does it look like for you and for me? How are we individually are going to put it on the line out there? How are we going to allow Jesus to use us to make this an unshakable community that the economy cannot shake, that attacks cannot shake, where we are safe with each other, where we are cared for with each other? What would it take for you as a family? What would it take for you to say, okay, God, here it is, it's yours, do it multiply it, give it. You know, I think there's different categories of people here this morning. There's probably some of you who just sit here, just, this just resonates so much with you because you've longed for community and you're lonely and you're, you're here with a few hundred people and you're alone every Sunday. Then I'm sorry. I am truly sorry that we have not been the community that you need and that we have not been the community that God wants us to be for you. But one part that comes with being a church of this size is that we cannot know everybody. And we need you to help us out here. We need you to take steps. And maybe you've taken them. And again, I apologize if we haven't responded, but do it one more time. Put yourself out there. Take the initiative in connecting with people here, with us Initiate contact with a serving team. Start working on a Sunday morning in connections and you'll experience incredibly community with those people. Go and go to the Life Together table out there and look at the groups and where can you connect and take another step. Would you please? Because I, I believe one thing very firmly and that is if you do not connect here, we miss out on you. We miss out on what God wants to do through you specifically in this body. And I don't want to miss out on that. And of course, you are missing out on what God wants to do in your life through us. So would you take another step and give us another chance, please? And then there's those that are connected. You know, I feel I'm connected here. I'm, we've been here for six months. I, I'm going to tell you, I don't have this one super best friend that I would share anything with yet. That's going to happen. But I'm connected. I love the community I have here on staff. I love the community that I have with many of you and how you've come around us these last six months has just been incredible. And there might be others like me out there who just love doing life here. Guys, we cannot protect that to the point where others can't come in. We have got to open our arms to the people in the first category and say, dude, come in. We have this contagious community. Would you just come in and let us be your community? 
We've got to do that, guys. We've got to be open. We can't be so protective of what we have. We've got to share that with others. And then we come to the resources. We have those among us that, that have, that have resources. And guys, we've got to stop saying, my, 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 my. We've got to say, my chance. And would you, no matter what you have in terms of resources, whether they, it's a big pile, a small pile, whatever you perceive it to be, is probably very different from what God perceives it to be. Would you just lay it out there before God? And just say, God, what is it that you've blessed me with that I can bless others with? It could be time. It could be you're a great listener and there's people that just need a listening ear. It could be that you're compassionate. It could be that you have stuff that they need and you don't. I don't know what it looks like, but I guarantee you, if you really put it before God, he might show you things that you didn't even know were there, that you wouldn't even have considered giving because, well, what can that do? Would you just go before God? Say, God, what is it that I have that I can offer? And allow him to, to take and multiply. And then again, those of you that are in need, that don't have, you have to make yourself vulnerable and let us know. And, and the tool that Eric talked about starting next week, please don't bombard him with emails yet. Give him time to set this up. But once we have this going, you have got to let us know. And I know that takes humility. I hate asking. It takes humility, but we're a family. Who else would we go to? Would you please bless us by letting us know how we can bless you? God wants to meet your needs, but oftentimes he wants to meet them through us, through the body of Christ here. So, guys, let's go in prayer before God and ask him, where, where am I? Where am I in the scheme of things, Lord, and what do you want from me? Let me pray to close. Heavenly Father, the unity that we can experience among followers of you through the common DNA that we have in your spirit living in us and your DNA in us is just incredible. Lord, I pray that we would learn more and more of what that really means to live as a body of believers and to, to really be that family of God that cares for each other. And Lord, would you, would you comfort those that are lonely? Would you heal wounds where people might have even been hurt here at K2 by not feeling their need for connection be reciprocated? Lord, would you give them the courage to give us another chance? And Lord, would you help us to just be a church with open arms, to draw people in, to allow them to experience community with each other and with you here. And Lord, would you help us, especially in these times of uncertainty, to not hold on to things out of fear, but to open our hands and allow you to take and give and to multiply and to distribute. Would you help us to see that Anything we have comes from you in the first place. And Lord, would you give those that need to receive, would you give them the humility to receive, to take? Lord, I thank you so much for the privilege I have of, of being here and serving here, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.